Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Mark Ganancius. Ganancius, that's the best my gringo pronunciation is going to get. But uh, he is a local author, musician, teacher, veteran, just interesting character uh, in, in, in many regards. I think I met him through Gabe Echizabal, who's been on the show at least five or six times. Uh, and you were setting up kind of a, this was in the right in the middle of COVID kind of setting up one of the first, if maybe not the only virtual surprise birthday parties I, I had ever attended. Right. That, that was, uh, I, I tried to keep that as much as a surprise as, as it could be. Um, I think Gabe probably suspected. Sure. Um, how did you, how, how do you know Gabe? Just- uh, Jeez, we met um, a couple years ago, and and uh, I think it was at a it was at a show. Uh, Gabe might remember better than I do, but um, we just immediately hit it off. Yeah, um, there were there were there were so much uh, common factors of interest that that we would that we discussed. Like, okay, this guy feels like he's been a friend for a very long time. Well, that's exactly right with Gabe. I mean, number one, that's kind of how everybody feels talking to him. And he's a very difficult person not to like. He's just such a pleasant, you know, open book and just so joyful. I mean, he's his joy, especially when you're talking about music, is just magnetic and contagious. You know, you want to he'll, he'll, you know, I'll spend an hour talking to him about Chrissy Hind, where I'd probably never give a shit in my life about Chrissy Hind, but <laughs> he makes it interesting. And every morning I get up and I learn something on his Facebook posts and all that other stuff. So uh, are you a Florida guy originally or transplant? Where are you uh, from? Uh, well, I guess I'm, for all intents and purposes, a, a native. I was born in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. I, I asked you that question, but I knew the answer. And now I'm remembering that I knew the answer because it's in the bio of your book. And I and I, your name and, and how you appear are different. You look like you should be in an Irish pub somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that, but, that's the Scotch-Irish side for my mother. Right. Yeah, so. Well, that, that, that those genes were strong. Those pushed <laughs> through pretty pretty heavily. So, Buenos Aires, uh, how, how long did you live there in the beginning? I came over. Uh, I was... Uh, preschool age. Oh, so you don't even probably have much of a recollection about it. No, but there were there were a lot of visitations uh, throughout the years. Uh, it would be uh, uh, mostly uh, summers when I was out of school here in the United States and going back to uh, visit family and uh, things like that. So, I mean, that's a very different different culture from from probably what your experience was here. Yeah, and, and, I mean, it's and, not like it's not like family in England where it's just like okay, this is just. Euro New York or whatever, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a little bit of a different, you know, yeah, vibe almost, there. almost melodramatic family, uh, 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 dynamic with things and, and, and kind of, I guess the stereotype with a lot of the Italian influence there. And it's a very much a food culture. Right. So that's, that's a big deal to me. It's I always love how people that. who come from food cultures are generally in good shape and, and <laughs> Americans just are fat because, you know, because they have everybody else's good bastardized versions of their their food to to eat you know nonstop. yeah um any siblings uh yeah i have uh i have uh one uh brother younger brother by four years okay were you guys close growing up <sighs> not really no i always i always like to ask about siblings because one of the you know i talk about this sometimes this 
the inspiration for this show for me was Mark Marin's uh, WTF show and uh, what the fuck podcast. And he has a bunch of musicians and artists and politicians and actors and everybody on. And he's a big music guy. He's a guitar player. And, and the, the topic of where your first musical tastes were made, it was, was it from your parents? Was it from your siblings? Was it from, whatever the case may be. So I always liked in these interviews, try and identify like, how did the, how did the bug get planted in your ear? Um, He's got a naked Ray gun shirt on, by the way. So you can see which way this is going to go. If you know who he is, then you know where this is going to go. But if you don't know who he is, there's a very, there's a pretty specific reason why he's on today. But anyway, go ahead. I think when it was, uh, I was younger, I was somewhere between the, uh, the hair rockers and the uh, punk rock. And I, I discovered, you know, the Q105 was, I grew up in uh, uh, Tampa a lot sure. of time before my family moved to Lakeland. And um, the Q105 was kind of a source for me, which was a bit of a gateway to something a little bit more obscure uh, styles and bands. Right. And um, the the skateboard and bike culture, you know, was, was pretty big back then too, as it is now. And uh Started to hear uh, punk rock, and I think uh, probably my first was like uh, was the Clash. Right, right. And that's that's in the in the book too. Was that 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 actually is a true? I I, I the, the the funniest story in the book. Now I, I'll be candid with you. I wasn't able to get through all of it, not because it's not amazing, but just because <laughs> I have two kids and I a million other things. But uh, my favorite so far is the sausage biscuit that turns into the. Uh, <laughs> The pancake fries or whatever, the French toast okay. nuggets. Cause yeah. I, I have a similar story about the last bite of a hash, McDonald's hash brown that was literally like my hopes and dreams were, were resting upon that last bite and it got knocked out of my hand onto the ground. And I, I probably the greatest loss and I've lost both my parents. The greatest loss in my life was that last bite of that hash brown that I was so looking forward to. So when, when, when things are going your way, food takes on sometimes an importance greater than, you know, what people realize. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but um, it's Q105. I mean, definitely that, that brings me, I grew up in St. Pete, you know, and so Q105 definitely, and then it became the power pig and then all these other things that kind of came through. Um, Now, did I, did you tell me what your parents did for a living? Uh, well, my father was a retired uh, uh, fighter pilot in the Argentine Navy. He was. Oh wow! Uh, he was a Argentine, an Argentine Navy fighter pilot. Argentine oh, Navy Academy. If I had a dime for every one of those, that that's pretty crazy. What kind of planes did they fly? Oh God! I think he was doing uh, trainers on. Uh, he was a fly. Ended up being a flight instructor in Pensacola, but uh, like the Top Gun so school. P30, no P thirty eight. No, well, I don't think it was Top Gun back then, and I don't. I really uh, that's where it is though or that's where it was wasn't it like the panhandle somewhere um I thought that was Miramar I don't know what the fuck do I know I don't know well you know better than it's I do been a while since yeah I've watched top yeah I gotta watch it again <laughs> um so uh he was a pilot what about your mom uh she was just a uh you know raising uh kids and uh she was always involved with uh school um heavily with PTA and um she did a lot of art resource things uh, with, that were connected with the school and after school uh, programs. Uh, she was big into art, things like that. Um, so she was always present right. in some capacity. Now, uh, you know, there's a stereotype of a military family, but I'm wondering if your dad being from South America, if there was maybe if it was a different or, or did it kind of fall into 
was it the great Santini or whatever? You know, was he that kind of character? Was he a? Well, he had been out uh, when I when I came around. Oh, okay, so, so. Um, um, there was still very much the uh, the, the the military uh, attitude. And um, so your bed the, needed the, to be made. Your the, oh, yeah, clothes the, the, needed the, to be the put away. The discipline was sure. was definitely applied, and also being the uh, the the Latino stereotypical male, of course, all of that came with yeah. it. So wow. Yeah. Um, were was there art in in your life at that age? Were your parents into music? Was there any discussion of that in the house? Was there music playing on the the record player or in the kitchen or anything like that? It was a lot of. Um, uh, tango really uh, especially they they would host dinner parties pretty uh regularly i'd say probably once a month there would there would be dinner parties and, and there would always be the music going and um of course the uh later on the richard claterman and what was it the uh the hooked on disco or what, yeah, what, yeah. what was the those those little the hooked on classics right? yeah, yeah. Was it disco versions of classic yeah, yeah, music yeah, that yeah. was something <laughs> Yeah, I dark to- days, dark days. But but then a punk and new wave and all that was happening at that same time. So, I mean, there, there's that little pocket of the world out there. Although very rarely are any of my friends' parents were they hip enough to have you know been at CBGB or whatever the case may be. That's well, we'll leave that for Gabe because I think Gabe got to do all that stuff. <laughs> right. So uh, when did you when did you start to pay attention more to music? Was it or well, let, let me ask you the question differently uh, because you're a writer too. Were you a, a reader early on? Was that something that that you know? occupied your time that was something that came with my mother um and they had large collections of books and then a lot of them were older books and classics and that she gave those to me to uh, read um without making me read them sure but strongly uh uh, encouraging me to read yeah oh oh there's a book right there (laughs) yeah and and you know little incentives here and there's that you know maybe a trip to mcdonald's or things like that if i'd finish a book and um yeah the 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 music it was just yeah my dead kennedy's album would sit next to my iron maiden album sure and yeah you're a little bit older than me i would guess are you are you born in the 70s or 60s i'll sit there okay so yeah what are you 48 49 50 50 okay so yeah i mean we're not too far i'm 45 so we're we're not worlds apart musically or, or experientially. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it one. Anyway, um, so, well, Iron Maiden, 100%. Dead Kennedys, uh, The Clash, you mentioned. Oh, yeah. uh, was there anything kind of outside that? Were you a Stones person? Did you like any of the kind of folky stuff from the 60s? Were you into soul, R&B, any of that other kind of stuff? Country, you know? Not so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, country was never something uh, I really got into until later in life. And that even then that was more uh, Americana, American. It's a very Americana tricky. Esque country. I country guess. is a very, very broad, you know, term yeah. that can mean a lot of different things and, and very, you know, divert like divergent or oppositional things you know there's waylon jennings and then there's roy clark and then there's george Strait, and <laughs> yeah. then there's i mean it you know so I, I i always anytime i talk country with people i have to be very specific on date ranges <laughs> you know things like that but um so it sounds to me like this was something you kind of arrived at outside of your home that you kind of found either through your friends at school or skateboarding riding bikes yeah that sort of thing uh when did you pick up a, a guitar uh, I guess when I was about, um, 
about 12. Uh, acoustic so or electric? 1983. It was, uh, it was an acoustic. It was, uh, it, it had the action you could drive a, a truck. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could stick your finger through it. Yeah. Spanish. Uh, uh, was the neck bent or the, the, tire, the rod <sighs> fucked up? Or Yeah, I, I didn't know things about intonation and, and, and the uh, truss rod, things like that. That'll build some so, finger strength up, though, fretting those oh, strings. God, yeah. yeah, it's like the, those old things you used to squeeze to get the hand, hand strength. And I still use really heavy, almost jazz game yeah, yeah. strings yeah, on yeah. electric and acoustics. So. Well, do you do drop tuning or do you play? It's okay, because I know a lot of yeah. the drums. Drop D and those people like the thicker strings. I did go through that phase, I think, in the 90s at some point. Where, or I, I, I go through that phase because it's kind of a cheat. It's kind of a hack. Like you can just, you know, power chords are pretty easy and you yeah. can sound semi like you know what you're doing with, with the drop tuning. Yeah. Um, in any event, so uh, acoustic guitar and, and you know, they didn't, there wasn't YouTube. So either you're watching MTV or you're oh. trying to get someone at church to teach you lessons or, MTV was a big influence. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that was, uh, along with, I was exposed to a lot of, uh, you know, pop culture coming up. Right. But as far as guitar rock at that age, at that time, I mean, it's Van Halen, it's, it's, you know, Def Leppard, it's Iron Maiden, it's Kiss, it's, you know, all that kind of stuff. A lot of cock rock. So not a lot of Billy Squire. Billy Squire. <laughs> yeah. What was that? What's that one single where he's dancing around the apartment? I always love that song. Billy Squire. This, he's that's a, he's an interesting conversation. Him and uh, who's the other one? Who's Jesse's girl? Rick, Rick Springfield. Springfield. Yeah. Like a lot of their deeper cuts, I can really like get into and listen. They're pretty good. Have you heard Coheed and Cambria did Jesse's girl too? No, it's kind of interesting. They did a sequel to that song, and it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. You should a check it out. To the a song. sequel to the song. It's literally called Jesse's Girl Too. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty badass. But any any event, um. Well, none of those are acoustic guitar. So you're trying to learn rock music on an acoustic guitar, which oh, yeah. I mean, you can do, but it's yeah. not ideal. Uh, so how long were you on that thing? Um, I guess a, a couple of years or about at least a year. And I, I guess when I was 13, I got my first electric was a, uh, it was a, a Squire Stratocaster. What store did you get it from? Thoroughbred, oh, Bringy? It was um, a gift from my oh, mother. Okay. So I didn't. Were you St. Pete guy, did you say? Or no, you're a Lakeland guy. Uh, yeah, it was Lakeland, uh, Tampa. Tampa, Tampa to Lakeland. No, yeah, because I mean, I can, you, you've got Paragon, you've got Thoroughbred, you've got, I mean, this was all before Guitar Center and all before, you know, it Replay was, and all these places. So it was, there was Bringy and St. Pete, there was Thoroughbred, uh, Paragon. I remember Thoroughbred yeah. and Paragon. Yeah. It was Carlton Music in Lakeland, which okay. was, that was where I had guitar lessons that lasted for two sessions. Turn lessons are done. fucking brutal because very rarely are they in my impression. And I'd be interested to hear your opinion, like what a student needs to be learning and what they want to be learning are very different things. And, you know, in order for them to keep clients, it's usually just what song do you want me to teach you to play? Yeah. Which is, not the wrong way. I guess there's no right way, but I feel like, you know, very rarely do you meet anybody who did like years of guitar lessons. It was usually it's couple, two, three, and then it's like, screw this. I'll just go figure out tabs on my own. I remember this guy just shredding, showing me how he could shred half the lesson. Yeah. And probably scaring you away. Yeah. Chords and, and that was 
and I told my mom, I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't see what this, what the point of this is. Right. Right. So did you set it down then or did you just keep it up on your own? I kept going on my own and I, I was, uh, I was a band kid too, played a uh, saxophone in uh Oh really? Band. So you had, uh, you had musicality, a knowledge of musicality yeah. anyway. Um, could you, can you hear notes? Like, could you figure that out pretty early on with the guitar? Like you could, you know, figure out where you were on the neck and what goes together and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of the big thing was just making sure I was doing the power chords correctly. Right. Right. <laughs> as, as strange as that sounds, how, how, you know, how do you not do a power chord correctly? But. Well, and, there's a, watch me play for five seconds and I'll show you how to not you know, do it correctly. Yeah. And even tuning the guitar was, you know. Oh, well, sure. I mean, it's funny because in this, you know, there's apps on your phone that you can tune your guitar. There's a, a world of knowledge on YouTube that's free. Uh, <laughs> you know, guitars are so much more readily available and, and the, the cheaper guitars are a lot better than the cheaper guitars of, yesterday i mean not amazing but you know a decent squire a decent epiphone a decent whatever the you know tier two of a guitar is you know you can you can get most of what you need out of that so um so tell me about your bands do you remember the names i always love first band names oh god let's see this was ninth grade so it was uh 85 86 um oh we had a band um we we did we wrote a song or I wrote a song and just gave it to the guys. Uh, it was called Out of Control and it was at the uh, the end of year uh, talent contest. Oh really? That we played. And all the rockers were make making fun of me because it was more of a very basic punk. What year was chord. this? Is 85. So this is right around Back year. to the Future. You know, this is where Marty McFly gets shut down by Huey Lewis. So <laughs> was it a was it a what type of music was it? It, it was more punk oriented and okay. like I said, basic four, four chord structure. Right. Without, the, the verse was the chorus was the, you know, it, there was no hook. Did it people just, know the Ramones at that time? I mean, were that, was that a thing in your school? I mean, there were so many metal people in the school that I remember and the, the, the punk people were kind of a minority. Yeah. And it was all, that was the, the skaters, the skater right. crew. Right. And whose older brothers would always turn or, or sisters would turn everybody onto the uh, punk, punk rock. stuff. Yeah. So after high school, um, what did you do? Did you um, just kind of hang out, or I, I started? I, I started going to uh, college, and uh, where'd you go? Uh, first, uh, Polk Community College, then uh, USF in Lakeland. Okay, and um, you know that was just a. I started training martial arts too back That's then. right. I saw that. Where, what what type of martial arts were you training? Uh, it was uh, Chung Daquan, uh, Korean. Um, and then uh, some Hapkido, and that was kind of that was a that was just it was interesting because I'd never never done that before when I was younger. What drove you to that? Just happenstance, or so someone that was doing I, I it? Think or? I met somebody at uh, at at the community college when I was a, a freshman, right? And um, yeah, he was. He, he had all these cool kicks. And is Hapkido is that striking, or is that more of like an Aikido type of thing? Or um, yeah, it's it's that's strange because it's not really like Aikido. Um, it has some elements, but it's uh, it is more uh, um, striking. Yeah, um, like the Chungdaquan. And then there were you know went to Japanese with Taijutsu, which is a pretty broad, broad, yeah. Um, 
more like Japanese jujitsu than Brazilian jujitsu. Sure, not, yeah. not the ground fighting. As sure. Much. So I, 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 if you've listened or heard me before, I did jujitsu since about 2008 and did Muay Thai and all that. I stopped going pretty regularly when I had kids and now it's, it's hit or miss if I, if I go at all, but, um, definitely, uh, it's an intellectual endeavor as much as it's a physical one. was that your experience with it? Um, I wasn't, I didn't have the intellectual capacity really back then to understand as much sure. as I, as I would now, or as I do now. But you're an intense guy. Like you, you, I, you know, you, you, you're, you have a calm demeanor, but I can tell through reading your books, your music and everything else that there's a, there's a fire in there. So, um, do you think that is it all related to you getting in the martial arts or just kind of? Yeah, there's, uh, the, uh, anger issues, of yeah. course. And my instructor, uh, did his best to break me at sure. the beginning by kicking my ass up sure. and down the floor. But, um, yeah, there the uh I, I did start getting into full contact fighting and it 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 started off with uh you know the typical the, the point thing and then it it I, I started, You're doing smokers and then it's just like started branching off into less yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not quite sanctioned matches. Less legislated matches. <laughs> yeah. Um so I remember when before I first had Gabe on, I was we were having this kind of philosophical conversation about the refuge that people in the arts find and whatever their art is that oftentimes people who are really into music or really into reading or really into these other things is because it kind of creates this microcosm or the safe space for them that they kind of go to to get away from other things. And so if there was trauma in the home or if there was you know, anything at all that, you know, maybe they didn't want to deal with that they found this other world to go into. Um, and I, that's definitely was the case for me, you know, as a, I was an only child and my parents were older and they drank. I mean, they, I always will say when I say they drank, they were amazing human beings, but they just, they struggled with drinking. And so for me, music and art were, were where I went and it oh, was, yeah. And justice for all and drawing pictures of, you know, demons and all this other. Sh well, I mean, where's the base? Well, right. But that was, you know, so I was born in 75. So I'm four years younger than you. But I remember it was right around eighth grade when Guns and Roses, Appetite oh. for Destruction uh, and Justice for All, uh, you know, I Chili Peppers, Mother's Milk, uh, you know, started R.E.M. was, you know, just before they put out a time, you yeah, know, Arian document. Yeah. It was a big yeah. album for me back. We're going to, we're, we're going to get to that in a little bit when we get up to your music, because yeah. for me, that's such a, 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 a parent, you know, inspiration in the music, but in a good way, not, you know, in a good way, not, not aping it. Like sure. I really enjoyed what you did with it. Cause it's kind of a punk REM type <laughs> of situation, but in any event, um, do you, you know, so, so if we can talk a little bit about the fire in the belly, the anger issues and all that, uh, I would imagine that you've spent the greater part of your life, uh, thinking about what that might be, where that might have came from, dealing with it. Uh, is that something you want to talk about? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a nurturing, the music was, was definitely a nurturing, uh, uh, source, uh, for someone, especially I felt, always felt like an outcast. Why do you think that is? Um, Culturally, just because, you know, was that part of it? I, I, or? I never felt like I fit in and and 
always questioned why that was. Right. So uh, the the music was a source of of not necessarily answering questions, but it it it, it provided uh, a way to uh, uh, explore uh, your own identity. At fifty, alone, have you alone, made you know it's being solitary a lot of the time. At fifty, have you made peace with that? Have you answered any of those questions, or are you still searching for those answers? Not really. I I, I think uh, if anything, I've learned what not to do, what what to avoid, things like that. But what yeah, triggers I, you, I, or sometimes what? I still feel like that 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 little kid who's you know it's interesting because doesn't, doesn't understand anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, you did the martial arts for a while and, and we won't get into it in detail, but you, you did. You were in the military for a little bit, right? Yeah. What years were you in the military? Um, and this uh, this came out partly with uh, some ROTC in college. But uh, uh, there was um, 89 to 93. Okay. And then um, went back in. That's, oh, really? that's how stupid I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, back in uh, from... Jeez, let me think. Uh, Ninety-eight to uh, two thousand one. So all told, about six, seven years total. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you you say that, and this this you know maybe a talking point or not, but you know the military kind of gives people something that sometimes if they don't have organically in their life, it kind of gives them a ballast, it gives them a focus, it gives them something to kind of wake them up in the morning, you know, get them to sleep at night. Not that you needed to be woken up, but I just mean a purpose, uh, a mission, uh, not, not specifically a mission, but more of a life's mission. I mean, do you, what, what did the military give to you that uh, wasn't, it wasn't a sense of patriotism, really. It was uh, more of a personal, um, the challenge of it, maybe a, a overly romanticized, uh, a view of what it was, did you ever think about it in, in terms of your father's military experience? I mean, oh, yeah. was there any kind of appeasing him or showing him something? Or? Yeah, very much so. And he was completely against it. Really? Yeah. So was it a was it a, a rebellion or? I don't know. Uh, I, I've always had a bit of a rebellious streak. And, you know, that, that never worked out because uh, I always got caught in everything I did. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've, a friend of mine has got a friend who was in the seals and he always tells me about this guy. And he said, if you looked at him, you wouldn't know that he did anything physical at all. You wouldn't know that he was, you know, you wouldn't think that he was a tough guy or any of these other things. But the sole thing with him is if you told him he couldn't do something, then that was exactly what he was going to do. And it was solely that psychological trait that literally he would run till his ankles broke. He would swim till his lungs were filled with water. He just, and and it might've been trauma. It might've been a psychological disorder, but that thing just, he pushed, he would just, he wouldn't give up. He just wouldn't give up. And so, you know, to, to excel in the military or the people that go in the military or, or kind of get to these tiers or occupy these fields, there, there's a, there's a component to it that, is a psychological thing that I don't think you can train and you kind of either have it or you don't have it. So yeah. um, do you look back on your time in the military fondly or is it a, something you kind of don't like to it's reflect a, on? It's just, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, some yes, some no. Yeah. So after you got out the first time, where, where did, 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 did you have to move out of the state or? Yeah. Okay. So after the first time, where, where did you land? Um, 
let's see. Uh, I think I ended up back in uh, Lakeland. Okay. And um, did you come back with a plan, or was it kind of let's see what happens? Really, I'm not even. I've uh, uh, I've always had you know, frameworks of plans, but they were. It was always just. Well, that's not that's not a bad I thing. Moved around a lot, um, and I, I you know resumed the martial arts training because uh, you know being gone sporadically and uh well i you know kept it up in uh, active duty too but um you know moved around to orlando Cocoa beach area that was fun surf uh, it all played in bands uh was never much of a surfer yeah uh just playing in bands um working construction and uh doing a lot of drugs and so this is early mid 90s yeah so what bands were you listening to Oh man, Bad Religion uh, was was at the forefront of that the Epitaph uh, catalog. You know, Fugazi, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, um, well, Jane's Addiction was always there. There were um, things, bands that were gateways to to open up. Uh, it's like, oh well, if you like Bad Religion, check this out. Yeah. So that that was the music was always there, and it had it had become almost predominantly punk rock. When did you start writing? That was um, that was later. That was much later. Um, I'd say in the uh, mid two thousands. Okay, and that's uh, yeah, working newspapers, freelance journalism type of stuff. So scratching your artistic itch was it somewhere between martial arts and and playing playing in these bands? No, the the, the well, the martial arts was more justified. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and and. Um, but the uh yeah the uh, the music uh they were always bands or always semblances of bands that that um I was involved in um even the the acoustic stuff playing actual acoustic shows didn't right. come until much later either um did you ever get in anything else like painting or photography or any of that kind of stuff mm, no i dabbled in some painting and i i wasn't bad at it but it just didn't move me the way Music did. Music did. Right. So that gets you through what, about a decade, not quite a decade till you go back in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and was that in response to some life event that you just said, fuck it, I'm going back in? Or was there, a, you know, I know you said you don't have plans, you more have kind of outlines that you follow, but I mean, um, this was this before or after 9 11? It was uh, before. Okay. All right. Were you in during 9-11? Um, I had just, I had gotten out. Oh, let me think. I'd probably been out um, a, f a couple of months. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so what did you think about that? Did you want to go back in or were you glad you were out? Oh, or just Yeah, that was, uh, um, I thought I might be recalled. Yeah. But I did not particularly feel like going back right 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 um had you been over in the middle east at all like uh, were you aware of that territory yeah okay um so when you get back uh do you land back in florida or uh yeah that's when i uh, started teaching um that was uh well late 2001 did you did you get a degree in teaching or how's it that you found your way into teaching uh no i started actually as a substitute teacher and oh, wow. they uh they asked me to stay on permanently and uh, were, were paying for me to go get certified and, and uh, ended up in special ed. And I, I enjoyed that the first year. Um, it was a, 
SLD resource. So I had different students each period and they all, they had uh, very specific uh, disabilities as far as reading. Um, what about ages all, all over the place? It or? was elementary school. Okay. Um, so I had a uh, um, fourth and fifth graders. It's great. interesting because my experience of you to date, which is relatively short, I, I would not have pegged you for a teacher and then adding on small kids and then adding on disabilities. I mean, that's, that's a, that's challenging. Yeah, it, I, I enjoyed that uh, the first year. And then, of course, they were elementary students. So the, uh, they were, they wanted to do well. Did and you have a, did you have a, an ability to relate to children before that? Because I had a very poor ability relating to children before I had children of my own. I, I've always uh, um, enjoyed the company of kids, uh, just, just watching them, uh, I guess, in a, a, a reverse vicarious things like, yeah, sure. I, I know what you do and I get it at school. It's uh, uh, enjoyed uh, hearing how smart they actually are as opposed to what people, um, you know, might think that, that you know, they're just kids. They don't know. Anything. Well, well, they kind of do. Well, and <laughs> not to mention, you know, with your experience level to that point, And, you know, I don't know if you have the hot water music tattoo yet or whatever, <laughs> but I mean, you're not the regular teacher that these that probably walk in the halls there. So maybe you're adding a different uh, perspective or a different facet mm -hmm. to the teaching. They, the, the tattoos weren't, were, were never exposed anyway. No, it's, I long always wore a, and, a, yeah. a shirt and a tie yeah, and yeah. this, yeah. But, uh, um, the second year, because they cut the unit I was with at the elementary school and right. I was, I, I was the low man on the pole. So, uh, I went to a, uh, middle school in, in Polk County and that was not, I ended up with, uh, emotionally handicapped and severely emotionally disturbed students and they were, um, Damn. Several of them had been held back and they couldn't be held back anymore. So they were older than the typical seventh or eighth grader. Right. And it was a lot of, you know, fuck you. And, and I'm not going to do anything. You, you are doing God's work. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not saying God's work, but God, you know, right. uh, uh, God's work there. I mean, that's that you're, that's brutal right i mean yeah. uh did you get attached to these kids at all like was there projects like what like i mean this kid i really want to see succeed type of situation or yeah, there were some of them i really did get attached to and um you know with my anti-authoritarian streak coming from the punk rock background i butted heads with the administration a lot especially in favor of the kids you were their advocate in some yeah, ways and um a lot of these people seem more like politicians than, than education professionals in it. And it, I, I didn't give a shit. Right. If, if, if I rubbed them the wrong way. Right. Cause I cared about the kids. I didn't care about the, what, what these people were going to. Right. What the consequences were. And there were consequences, but. Polk County too. So Polk County, I mean, you know, I hear, I have to go to court in Polk County every now and again, and it's, it's just my favorite. And, uh, Grady Judd is always Ugh. a good time, you know, when you see his press conferences about, Jesus. you know, if you're going to come here, you're going to get shot. And if you move here, don't make the same dumb decisions you made up north and all this other stuff. I'm just what like, what a oh, crusader, just, man. Oh, my Lord. But I mean, they, they love that guy there. Or I mean, yeah. at least, at least He's half of them do. Man. Yeah. That's the, the, was Polk County that way when you were there? Oh, yeah. It still is. Well, I, I know it is now. I'm just my, wondering my, what yeah, it was My back. parents still live there and I, I'll, I'll go there, you know, a couple times a month. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, it's not not a place I like to be. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So how long do you do the teaching gig for? Um, that was the last year. Um, there was an issue with uh, one of the uh, uh, the dean of students uh, making a derogatory term towards one of my my uh, my students. And I. Uh, I threatened him. Yeah. I threatened him with violence. Yeah. 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 And uh, they, uh, I, I, I chose not to renew my contract and they tried to act like, oh, no, we're not going to renew you. I was like, no, no, no. I broke Mark, up with you. I You're already, not breaking up with yeah, me. Exactly, I broke up with you. Exactly. I already, it's like, I already told you I'm not coming back. So don't, don't, put <laughs> you don't that pull that shit on me. Like, yeah. Like I, I and um, it was funny because years, years later, I saw some of my students, two of them together the same they were out at, at the bar and i had just i happened to be at the same bar they yeah. were at and uh they they're like mr mark i'm like oh jeez yeah and they're like well, we we do you, do you remember us i was like yeah i remember you yeah they're like we yeah we thought you were awesome yeah i was like cuz i was like i couldn't tell because they were they were pains in the ass and they were smart kids but they just had they had issues that that got in the way a lot of their uh, learning you're reminding me a lot of my father. My father was a high school teacher and he always had a wicked sense of humor and he would always be in trouble with the assistant principals and the administration because he he was, you know, when he he went to University of Florida, when he when he was up there, you know, they had black projects and he went and lived in the black projects. And when he was in the seminary to become a priest, he used to work in the prison and he'd go and visit the inmates in the prison and all this. Wow. He, he ended up leaving the seminary to take care of his father when he when he got sick and then met my mom and they got married. But he would always he would always kind of. And I have it too, and it's bad. I have to watch it with judges and clients and everything else. But like, uh, I always remember the story. Uh, they, the budget sucked and he was a biology teacher. So they had like one microscope to every four students and he would be passing out microscopes. And there's a black girl. It's like, you didn't give me a microscope. Why didn't you give me a microscope? And he's like, well, honey, because you're black. He was joking, <laughs> knowing that that's what she was trying to right. assert. So he was kind of, you know, playing to type what she was saying, but that went to the principal and the parents came in and it was this whole thing. And, you know, if you knew my father, I mean, he would, that's nothing at all what he was made of or what he would say but you know but he would always and he'd come home just so crestfallen and browbeaten and it's just like and it's only gotten worse you know it, you know the parents are so involved and the school's so worried about keeping the parents happy and common core math and these tests and fucking it's just uh, schools have gone the wrong way man in my view and plus how they treat the teachers i mean the teachers just get beat to shit so when you told me you're a teacher i just every time i hear someone's a teacher i just my heart kind of <laughs> shrinks in my chest a little bit because it's just like that whole industry needs to be they need to be the, the highest paid of us they need to be you know they just flip that whole thing on its head but anyway i digress so um are you playing in bands around the time that you stopped teaching? Uh, like when's your first like yeah, legit I, I, like I just foray? In when I I quit teaching at the same t at that time, I I went back to teaching years later. But uh, that was when I was still in Florida before I moved up to, to DC, and I had quit oh, uh, teaching. I quit the band. I was just I, I got to a point where I was like, I'm done with bullshit in general. Yeah. And make it simple. Yeah, Keep it the, simple. The, 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 the teaching gig was bullshit because of the politics. The band thing became bullshit because of the, you know, internal play, playground yeah. politics. So, uh, I, uh, started recording solo. I, I, I went solo and, um, 
that's when that first album you heard the Occam's Razor when was yeah. out in 2003 and uh, kicked around for that policy of policy of discontent was 2013. Okay. Okay. Um, but that, yeah, that was, uh, so Occam's Razor was when you're in DC. Um, no, no, that was okay. before okay. I, I kicked around a little bit, uh, here in Florida and uh played in a funk band which was strange really yeah that was uh, you're that surprising was me today yeah funk, that band, was a, funk that, bands and teaching that didn't last very long and it was just <laughs> I, I didn't even like doing it very much it was kind of it was kind of fun because the musicians were really good it, it made me keep on my toes sharpen sharpen your sword for yeah. sure it was it always been guitar for you or have you moved around to different instruments or um, I think I played some bass in earlier days, but yeah. it's, it's mostly always been guitar. Never drums. What about the singing part of oh, it? Drums, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Yeah, as far as singing goes, because uh, uh, you know I, that's a world that I've gotten into myself recently, and I'm 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 always amazed at how difficult I find it. You know, some people they're just natural, but the singing the singing part of it, the writing part of it, the arranging the the vocals to the song. I mean, I always used to kind of I didn't, but part of me was always like, Oh, that's the singer. Like, like, you know, the least talented of the group. But as I've kind of made a foray and I was like, this is fucking hard. <laughs> this yeah. is not easy at all. So, um, you know, did, did you work on your voice at all? Or was it just, you know, this is what I'm going to sound like and you're going to like it or you're not going to like yeah, it. Yeah. I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. And, and just, I guess it's, it's the cases, uh, you do something long enough, you get better at it. Sure. Yeah. Um, the the Not ten thousand hours good but just better well yeah <laughs> um and what about the material has there been an evolution in your writing uh, as far as music goes so I had a do you know Matt Burke oh uh, yeah yeah I, uh, have gun travel okay uh, those are those are cool like, cool guys great musicians so Matt was in here about little little over a month ago and he was talking about how over the course of his writing career that his his lyrics have become much less on the nose and a little bit more abstract and more uh you know a menagerie of sensations and feelings than you know a linear binary kind of narrative of of something so sure. yeah is is if you found that to be the case i feel like most people when they start writing lyrics they're they they put a lot of they put too much pressure on themselves a and b they try too hard to sound like this person or that person oh yeah i person. definitely went through that phase the 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 trying to be dylan or yeah, yeah. Like, well i have a gruff voice i'm gonna i'm gonna sing like chuck reagan does yeah. and then i realized well i can't sing like chuck reagan does yeah. and yeah. So then you, but, yeah, so, you, you refine the words and, and, and maybe the messages, uh, aren't, aren't quite as, uh, was it love? Was it politics? Was it, what was, was it? What was your subject matter of choice? Is a human experience uh, yeah. oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that, you know, your, your book subset asylum, which we'll get to in a, in a, in a little bit, um, you know, reading it, I get a very Bukowski, type of feeling from it you know a hunter thompson feeling from it uh you know it's it's uh it's got a lot of cultural references that kind of tie it to a time you know whether it's talking about rats first album or talking about <laughs> food courts or talking about you know whatever the case may be but there's always a a a um conflict of some some fashion it seems like oh, yeah. e either between 
you and I don't know if it was your brother who's taking issue with your Facebook post or you're taking issue with their Facebook oh, right. post. That was that, that's actually that's just kind of kind of a, a, a extrapolation of a yeah. lot of different things, you know. Um, but, you, you know, I, I, I it seems as though you're a fan and I and this will, I don't mean this to sound the way that it'll sound. I don't want to say a fan of conflict as though you like to create conflict, but I feel like it's something that probably you're not afraid to think about, talk about, kind of, you know, dissect, unpack. Not at all. Or even, you know, I'll engage in conflict if it's necessary. I don't have a problem with that. I know I have friends who would much rather just, you know, look conflict averse, yeah, yeah, path of least resistance. And, and that's not how I'm built. Right. And I, I don't, not that I'm seeking conflict, but if, if, if someone's going to. You'll call it out, you'll it face down. it. Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know, probably more of a, a it's, it's been since childhood, always was uh, very quick about not taking any shit from anyone. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, I think that's something that's never gone away. Right. Well, you did two two different stints in the military, so so good on you, because that, <laughs> that must have been tough. Um, so, uh, in you, you, so there's the Occam's Razor, and then the policy of discontent comes about 10 years later. Was there anything else in between those two? There was an acoustic album in between um, uh, called Painted Walls, um, okay. and that was uh, 2011. And who are some of your musical heroes that you're kind of, you know? I wouldn't say heroes. I, I don't like that term. I, okay. don't, I don't have heroes, but but uh, definitely um, uh, Henry Rollins was going back. Um, and, you know, I, I, I ran into him up in D.C. a couple of times. He's a short little dude. But, yeah, I, yeah uh, I, I've seen him. I've seen him musically once and spoken word once and. He's definitely softened up in his 60s from where he was in his 30s. But Just a little. Yeah, yeah. But he was an intense guy yeah. there for a long time. You know, definitely um, R.E.M. as a band, there wasn't any one particular person in R.E.M., but that band really shaped a lot of um, where my tastes uh, would go and still I love, I love, I love them so much. The old, the, the old IRS days, not really. After they got signed to me, I think they lost something, which a lot of bands do. and. <sighs> I mean, their last however many albums. I mean, I, I feel like we, we, we say document was right before, um, out of time. When it was automatic for the people, was that right after? I thought that was a more artistically deep album than out of time. Out of time was kind of like their big first pop album. Although I still go back to it because that was probably the one that I listened to the most, but the IRS stuff. But I mean, you look at it, you know, it's a Georgia band. I mean, he's a guy struggling with his sexuality in the Bible belt. And sure. you've got these amazing musicians around him. One of my favorite things about this, and I was just posting about this this week is favorite harmonizing in music. Oh, and and I just, you know, love Mike Mills backing up Michael Stipe. I just thought that was one of the greatest sounds. And Peter Buck's guitar, it just, it was just such a rad sound. And the, the music was awesome. I would always love, it's funny, you, you, we were talking about your cultural references and subset asylum. That's definitely something Michael Stipe did a lot with his lyrics, you know, whether he was talking about, um, Andy Kaufman or talking about whatever the case may be, you know, uh, what's the, what's the, the, there is the reference to John Lennon shooter. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll come back to it, but, uh, yeah, so REM, I mean, that's definitely clear. So, uh, it, but in the singer songwriter stuff, 
was it a little bit more of a sped up thing? It wasn't, it wasn't a Dylan ripoff. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I can't play slow. It's very difficult for me to play slow or even conceive music in terms of slower tempos. Sure. Just from the punk background. And, and, you know, there was always, uh, Dead Kennedys was such a big deal to me and they still, because they were really one of the first American punk bands who could really play, play that surf guitar, man. That yeah. the, the East Bay East Ray, Bay Ray fucking player, man. Yeah, it's funny because I don't know that they get the love that you know the Misfits, Black Flag, Minor Threat, Bad Brains get. I mean, Dead Kennedys fr- from an iconic thing, you know that the 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 logo is very much ubiquitous in skate culture and yeah. punk culture, but musically. I, I, and I'm not saying it's warranted, but I, I feel like they might be a step behind those other bands and the love that they get. Um, at least in my experience. Um, but yeah, from a, from a musical standpoint, just amazing musicians. And then, I mean, he's just, a, I mean, if, 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 I, I know you don't have heroes, but <laughs> as far as a, another artist who's not afraid of conflict, Jello Biafra is oh, yeah. fucking, he's, he leans into it. So, um, so tell me about the move to DC. Was that music related? Was that what, what, what brought you up there? I was in a relationship uh, with a uh, woman. She was a corporate executive um, at a larger company and she was uh, uh, promoted. Okay. And she asked me to come with her and I said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, uh, that was in 2007 and that lasted a year. Uh, How'd you find DC? I loved it. Yeah. And I broke up with her and I didn't have a way to stay up there. And I moved back to Florida and spent the next few years trying to get back up to DC, which I finally did. Um, and that was in, uh, 2000, uh, uh, January 2012. I moved, I took, took possession of a place up there. And, uh, were you, were you writing the policy music yet by that point or? I think there are a couple of the songs were in a very loose rudimentary uh, form at that point. But, uh, yeah, I ended up, uh, I was playing acoustic shows up there in DC and, and really fell in love with the town, um, in so many different, for so many different reasons. Well, I mean, it's, it's a cool town. I've always loved it. You know, I remember going very at a very young age and being scared of fucking death of it, but it, you know, it, it got a lot better over time, but it's interesting because, you know, you've got a bunch of politicians and politicians kids, but then there's a lot of poverty too. You got Georgetown, you got, you know, all these different, you got a lot of, uh, foreign, upper, upper Northeast area is pretty rough. Too. Right, right, right. And, but there's, there's a lot of foreign, uh, you know, foreign people that are living there, working there. So it's this kind of interesting area. And I mean, what a rich musical history. Now I, I'll have to confess that I don't know what DC in the early 2000s was musically. I mean, I could talk about it in the eighties pretty, pretty. Wow. Deep, but I mean, by that point, I can't even think of like DC bands in the early 2000s. No, that the uh, the the scene kind of died with uh Fugazi's last album, uh, which the was argument. Uh, the argument yeah. 2003, I think. Yeah, um, and I wasn't up there by then or back then, but yeah. um, the DC scene, and I, I ended up putting putting together a power trio up there, uh, called Iceberg Theory. There, there's the Hemingway, influence, yeah, 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 but uh. Hemingway, uh, thank you. Hemingway, right along with Hunter and, and Bukowski, for sure. I got to throw Jim Harrison in there, Okay, too. Yep, basketball diary, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, uh, it was so tough. The, the scene was very clicky 
uh, just trying to get a gig at a shitty little venue and really had to, had to push and push and push. And you get to the point where you're going to lose your temper with, with, with people who are just playing games because, well, who do you know? That's yeah. a big thing in DC. You meet anyone. Who do you, what, what do you do? Right. And it's, who do you know? Yeah. Well, f- fuck off. Well, so this is a, th- this is a, a running conversation in your head i mean we would you know who do you know and you know the clickiness and you talked about conflict and as a kid feeling kind of left out or feeling on the outside of the the the, the popular group oh, so yeah. i mean that's a you know a conversation that, that's quite common i mean I, I i always feel like less than than people so i can you know i can i can relate even if that's not specifically what your feeling was Sometimes but you can get conditioned to feeling that way after years of it too and it's just it's very true. It's very true. You know, I've spent a lot of money and a lot of years in therapy, therapy, figuring out, you know, why my brain works the way that it does. And, you know, a, a lot of it is being an only child. A lot of it is being an only child of much older parents. A lot of it's being a child who saw, you know, alcoholism. And, you know, so there's all these things that you, you, you know, you can become very empathetic in a dangerous way where you kind of take everything personally. You assume everybody else's problems as your own. Everybody, you think everybody's angry at you when probably they're not even, you're not even occupying any space in right. the brain at all. Yeah. But, but, oh, that guy's, why, why are you mad at me? What, you know, it, it's, it's like I wasn't even thinking about you, but in any event. Um, so how long do you end up in DC that time? Uh, I was there from January 2012 until uh, August 2015. And then back to Florida? Yeah. And, you know, I got to see a lot of the uh, the D.C. elders, got to got to know a few of them. Um, There's like uh, uh, the track that last album, um, Policy Discontent at Interior Studio with Don Z and Tara, which was a real treat. I, I want you guys, if you're listening, please seek that album out because, uh, you know, when, when I started talking to Mark about coming on, I said, can you direct me to some of your music? And he was giving me names and I, you know, I, I'm a Spotify guy, which for, <laughs> for, for better or for worse. So it's just, that's the, always the easiest thing for me to search through. And, and so that came up and I listened to it. I was like, holy shit. Um, you know, and I, you know, this has been my daughter's last week of school. Uh, and I don't know what my, my phone just has a fucking mind of its own, but for some reason, even if that's not the last thing that I was listening to every morning this week, I've taken her to school. When I turn on the car, you come on the radio. <laughs> it's random. Like, like it's something to do with iPhone. Like I did, I, I don't know why it is, but like back when I used to download music onto my iPod and through successive moving an iPod to your iPhone and then this, iP- your iTunes, you have this, well, I have this iTunes library, which I haven't, I haven't gone on Apple Music or iTunes in probably a decade. I haven't yeah. bought any music from there, but it's all still on my phone. And for whatever reason, when you turn the car on, it picks these songs. And like for, for, like for one week, it's fucking Dick Dale, like surf music. And I was like, I don't remember why I got that. It must have been I was watching a Quentin Tarantino movie or something and like decided to download that or whatever. And then it's always, so it's always funny what comes on where Frank Ocean is one that comes on all the time. And I haven't anyway. But this week, my daughter has gotten to listen to your policy discontent album every day on the way to school over last week of school. But it's it's a badass album. I mean, did that did that? I mean, I say take off. I don't mean like, you know, top of the billboard. But, but I mean, did that catch on? Were people, you know, reaching out to you for that? Uh, 
Yes and no. It's I, so good. I, I would get, I would get uh, just because I had and, and DC is such a name dropping town. Yeah, and uh, I I think I got a little bit of that that when I'm being up there and um you know people saw well you know he tracked that with Donzi and Tara at Interior Studios and Steve Hanskin from Minor Threat played bass on that album and uh then uh, all of a sudden I'm getting uh um reviews in Razor Cake and uh uh the big takeover right. Jack Rabbit and they were favorable reviews but I never had anyone knocking at the door making any any uh well that type of music in in the early 2010s was not what you know, probably record companies were handing out money for, I mean, you, you know, or that wasn't top, top 40 or top 10 music. I mean, by that point, it's already all boy bands and stuff, right? And, yeah. you know, Rihanna and all that, Katy Perry and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I'd even see the old, I'd see Ian McKay, you know, pushing the stroller somewhere in Adams Morgan neighborhood with yeah. his uh, wife was Amy, uh, they're in a band again, aren't they? In, aren't they in uh, Kariki now? Or yeah, they had the Evens before. And yeah. Now they have Kariki. Yeah, now. and um, you know, I'd run into Brendan Canty from Fugazi at a at a show or something. And uh, HR was was really from Bad Brains. Is was, he nuts? Is he crazy? Yeah, he's bad shit. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, well, he was back then. I don't know what his health. I think his physical health has declined as well. But I ended up at a party at his house. Uh, he would do open mics on Tuesday nights at a cool little spot called Chief Ike's Mambo Room. Yeah. But I've heard random stories. Who was it that was telling me a story that like HR came to their show? Like somebody. Ian McKay went to one of my shows, not to see me, obviously, but yeah. He, he were like, dude, that's, do you see who that is? He's like, yeah. That's rad. That's rad. Do you know Dave Decker? Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always love it. Do you know his Fugazi story? No. So he saw them up in Gainesville and he gets bashed in the face and just pouring blood out of his face. And Joe Lally gives Dave his shirt to stop the blood. So right. Dave's got Joe Lally's shirt over his head, goes to the rest of the show. And there, you can watch videos of this show on YouTube. There's pictures of it. And it's like one of those venues where like the ceilings are like, eight foot tall and everybody you could tell are just sweating their asses off. I mean, everybody stinks. Everybody's dirty. There's no, you can barely breathe. Like the air is just thick. And at the end of the night, he's leaving the venue and he gets a tap on his shoulder and he turns around as Joe Lally. And he says, that's, that's really the only shirt that I have on this tour. Do you mind, if, do you mind giving it back to me? So Dave handed him back his shirt, just soaked in his blood. And it's like, here you go. Jesus. I was like, that's such a badass." But it's funny now. Cause like you can take bass lessons with Joe Lally. Like he's on Facebook. He's on social media and yeah, he's like I saw doing where he was doing yeah that. he's doing like virtual lessons which is pretty fucking rad I, I i would do it just to do it you know i just i did get to see in 2019 the the mesthetics up in gainesville they're badass i have both those albums they're really rad yeah. really rad albums they were fantastic live so what comes after policy or discontent um well, uh, uh, we, we, we played around shows with Iceberg Theory and we were playing all my songs that yeah. were either on the album where we had written some on our own that right. had never been recorded. And, uh, we, we were one of the best power trios and punk power trios in Washington, DC, but trying to get even just the time of day from the, the inner circle, what I like to call secret handshake clubs sure. they exist in every, every larger city where that has a, an art or cultural scene, but, um, did you ever get to play with any of the Florida bands up there, like Slap Reality or No Fraud or any of those people? Did they ever make it up there while you're up there? No, no. Um, I did. Uh, I think uh, I, I played a sh an acoustic show with uh, Kelly Deal 
from the breeders. Jim's uh, sister, so yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, with Mike Montgomery, they had a band called, um, oh, what was it called? From Pearl Jam? R-Ring. R-Ring. Like R okay, yeah. period ring. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they're still around, but. Uh, I'm thinking of Mike McCready, not Mike Montgomery. Okay. So, okay. So, you do that. And then when you come back to Florida. Yeah, that was after a breakup. So, I was in a pretty dark place. And. um I I walked away from music for Jesus Christ like at least six months. Yeah, um, I just didn't even pick up a guitar and was just kind of despondent about the the breakup and um, which I initiated, but at the same time uh, was trying to to figure out. Uh, I I definitely didn't want to stay in Lakeland. That's not. <laughs> and uh, I started playing shows and. Uh, um, well, I'd started playing shows before I moved up in the late 2010 or 2009, 2010. And that's when I met Jeff Brower and Rodney and Shay and Derek and all those uh, 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 people who are still around and still, you know, I consider them dear friends. Um, but uh, we, uh, I started playing just got back into more shows slowly. And this was before new world had moved. Right. So we started uh, doing uh, uh, shows there and um, you know, the bricks and a lot of, a lot of cool different spots and kind of got back into it with everybody. And it, it, it felt, it felt like home playing with, with friends again like that. You mentioned playing the Caleb show uh, recently. Yeah. Did, 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 what was your relationship there? Um, I had, I met Caleb uh, I think back in uh it was uh, late 2017, and um, I had just moved to Ebor uh, from Lakeland, um, and uh, Jeff Brower reached out to me about uh, this guy needed a place to crash and wanted to get some shows. So we, uh, I, 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 I contacted Caleb, and we just became almost inseparable. Right. And uh, there were, you know, he he spent a lot of time uh, on my couches and. We spent a lot of time drinking a uh, beer and uh, cooking until four thirty right. in the morning right. after shows, and uh, uh, so that that became a thing. Um, even after I left uh, Ebor after a couple of years and moved out to Temple Terrace um, in two thousand nineteen, and uh, you know we kept that up uh, for for a while, and uh, um, you know things got dark for him, and 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 it. It was just, it, it, he was going through a really difficult time. And yeah. It's hard to see that with people you love and, and know what part, what part you play in that. Yeah. And he was, he was one of the most thorough, brilliant songwriters and arrangers, not just a songwriter, but a, a, a ability to arrange instruments. And in, in he got it on a, a different level. You always look at, I mean, not, not to go too off brand, but like Harry Nilsson or Elton John or Billy, you know, these people who, they, their, their brain just knows a melody and can kind of figure out yeah. where to put stuff. I mean, different types of music, but there's definitely a, 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 that type of person who can just do that. And it's very impressive. Yeah. And that was, um, that was, uh, I had, I, I published my first book back in 2015. I realized we're jumping all over no, the okay. time, timeline here. I do but, that. But, um, what yeah. was the first, but what was the title of the first book? One more time. Okay. And was that a similar to this one of short stories or was it no, more it was of a, a short novel? It was a Romana Clef based on 
the 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 relationship that that you know I had left. Sure. So that was uh that was a difficult book to write. I I'm mean sure. in the context of everything, but uh um that was again wildly unsuccessful. <laughs> Well, depending on the metric, I mean, yeah, that's true. I I think I've dumped that metric uh, a couple decades ago. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's like not trying to be famous, but it's it's cool not being ignored as well. Well, validation that 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 what you're doing has value. I mean, uh, you know, and and we always seem to look with outside of ourselves for value more than we look inside of ourselves. You know, sure. So definitely, I mean, some sort of reception, some sort of idea of how it's being perceived. So, uh, how many books? Are, how many books is this? A subset? That's the second. Okay, um, so very different in subject matter, different in structure. Um, well, this one isn't as much relationships, right? Or at least romantic it's, relationships. It's, it's got a couple of uh, uh, elements of that in there. Yeah, um, there is a breakup story in there, which actually very close to what actually happened in in DC with another relationship not not sure. with the uh same the first uh, book but um yeah I, I i think it's really finding things in the human experience that either move me or piss me off yeah and I, so are you able to give yourself a break are you able to lay it down are you able to be light and just kind of live in the moment and enjoy it you know watch something stupid listen to something stupid or just kind of enjoy a do you mean while i'm working on it no oh just in general just anytime um yeah sure there's usually alcohol involved yeah right it's, it's there. <laughs> did that ever get away from you you mentioned drugging a little bit in the 90s and alcohol i mean was that ever a, a demon that you really had to fight hard or were you kind of able to keep it at bay uh, it was all recreational yeah i mean it was definitely abusive yeah and it's, it's you know nature, well, some of it but, just by uh, nature of consuming it is abusive but yeah, yeah it was never anything that would resemble a habit yeah and, and you know it's it's more of a uh, a pursuit away from the mundane nature of reality sure. i guess right, right, right. I, i'm still guilty of, of that too but it's all right i know a good attorney so it'd be <laughs> fine um so, uh, so where, where do you, so let's talk about this book. So subset right. asylum, when, when, when did, you know, are you just always writing? And then at some point you're like, well, maybe I should do something with this or, or did you specifically set out to write this book? Oh, I specifically set out to that. It, it took much longer than it should have. And that's was there a mission statement in your mind, a mantra? Was there a, you know, here's what, here's what this is going to be, or here's what I'm going to do, or you just kind of let it figure itself out. That came later once I had uh, probably a handful of stories. I said, okay, this is this is going to be something. Right. And then I just kept building upon that with new stories or revisiting stories that hadn't been completed yet. Um, right. When that's, I think that's pretty common. Anyway, with uh, a lot of writers is they, they start something and say, well, fuck this, it sucks. And then you come back to it and be like, I can make this better. Yeah, yeah. Or at least try to make it better. Well, the thing I worry about, like we were talking about writing <laughs> lyrics is, uh, is in writing, like always worrying about is, am I, am I stealing? Am I borrowing from? Am I trying too hard to sound like? What's your voice? What is, you know, did, is that a problem that you had or? No, because when I'm writing, I, I won't read anything else. Right. I don't want to be influenced in any way outside of whatever is lingering in is my Is that memory. true with music too? Same with that. Like even if I'm uh if I'm preparing for a show, 
I won't listen to other music. And if yeah. I'm uh, I'm driving to a show, the, I will not turn the radio on. Yeah. Don't yeah. Want, I don't want to hear anything else. Be a great juror. I just don't <laughs> want to read the newspapers and <laughs> listen to the radio, watch the TV. Um, so uh, to, the subset asylum, what's, where, where does that name come from? Um, I was just trying to find a word that would uh, um, apply to, I guess, the the the, the human circus and, and use a little. Yeah, bit. I mean, it's all kind of chaos, you know, contained chaos in these little yeah. kind of little little vignettes of chaos. So it's like there there are gradients of of people people's sanity you you come across every day, but there is some that shit fucking crazy it's true you know out there it's 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 true and i i you know this job that i do uh you know representing people and primarily you know what i do here is the criminal work and the family law work and so there's just it's it's humanity on display and so many of these people that have been you know relegated to the fringes of society they they're there it's very clear why they're there if you look at their history uh, and then there's other people that are just pretty scary inherently. You know, I've, I've always had this conversation. It was a conversation I remember having with my dad early on and asking him, it's like, do you think evil exists? Is there evil in the world or is it just sickness? Is it just, you know, a, a, a spectrum of, of, you know, you got a, you got a, a tad of bipolar, throw in some schizophrenic, maybe some substance abuse, some childhood trauma, and okay, now you're a serial killer or what, you know, whatever the, the case may be. And I was watching uh, that documentary that came out recently on uh, the Night Stalker, the, the guy in California. And he's in the world of serial killers. He was one of the guys who leaned into the, the stereotype of it. Like he really liked to like show the pentagram right. and like do devil signs at people and say <laughs> awful shit. Whereas some of the other guys are just these fat pasty white guys who have 40 kids in their cellar. Like he was like really leaning into it. And, you know, so he was always considered, you know, the most evil or the darkest or whatever, but then you hear about it and he was sexually abused as a kid. He was tied to posts and left there and all these things. And yeah. so it's easy to say that these people are evil. And, and I've had, I've talked about this before and it's always such a weird one. Sorry to put this on you, but uh, as a prosecutor and as a defense attorney, kind of one of the areas that are just awful to deal with is sex abuse. Yeah. Uh, as a prosecutor, it's hard because you're dealing with the victim a lot and you're hearing about a lot of times it's children. It's a lot of times it's years of it happening before it comes to light. And so that's awful. Uh, but then flipping the script is the accused people like you've there's there's two camps there. One is the people who pretty clearly didn't do it, but have been accused of it. And they are now tattooed with that for the rest of their life. And then there's the people who did do it or some version of it. And it's like, what do we do with these people? Because everybody's, you know, the the easy answer for everybody is fucking kill them, castrate them, put them on an Island, you know, light them on fire, do all this shit. It's like, well, like Richard Ramirez and like John Wayne Gacy and like Ted Bundy and like any of these people, you know, they are the, they are the result of certain things that were outside of their control, whether it's genetics, whether it's DNA, whether it's mental illness, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's trauma and all these things. And so it's very easy to say, let's put a head on their head on a pike, but you just can't do that. So I always, I always, you know, talking about, the subset asylum talking about levels and you know shades of craziness those are some extremes but i I'm, i i i feel like we have a long way to go in how we see you know 
chaos, mental illness, you know, a lot of these things, which I think are at the root of some of the craziest that we, the craziness that we deal with. Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe searching for empathy for, for someone who, before they became a monster. Right. I mean, at some point they were a human being. At some point right. there was something worth saving there. There was something of value. It's not easy. Uh, yeah, that's, but. I guess, you know, you're trying to get into to, to people's heads and, and find causes behind why they do the fucked up shit they do. And that's fascinating to me. It, it bothers me, but I still find it fascinating. Well, because, I mean, if, if it's just random, what does that mean? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I my dad, I told you he was in the seminary and he was big into philosophy and he loved to he loved Kafka and loved Nietzsche and loved Camus and all yeah. these other people. And, uh, you know, the life is absurd thing has been kind of a, a mantra for me for better or for worse, because anytime I start to go down the, this isn't fair road or start to go down the, I deserve this or I don't deserve yeah. this. You have to remind yourself, you don't deserve shit. No one deserves anything. You know, no one, people who should get, you know, karma don't. People who have devoted their life to helping others die of brain cancer in their 30s. You know, beautiful artists get hooked on pills or or whatever and die too soon. And it's just, you know, the absurdity of life, you know, it's it's very haunting and scary. And that's why people turn to religion. And, you sure. know, they look for these crutches. They look for these things that make it easier to go to sleep at night. And, you know, with you and I think me in some ways, you know, trying to say why, 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 why? What is this? How does someone end up there? I mean, that's 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 kind of what I took from my reading thus far in the book but uh and it's hard because you don't there's never an answer that satisfies you you know it's just more rocks to turn over yeah it's it's i, I am a person who wants i want a reason behind something yeah and sometimes there isn't one yeah yeah and it's difficult to accept when when you're searching for a solution Trying to make sense of and, the world and, yeah and and the, the world doesn't make any fucking sense so so you, the book's out the book came out in march was it uh, yeah, March 25th. And I'm going to publicly apologize to you. So I met you, I met you through Gabe for the birthday party. And at that time we were talking about you coming on. <laughs> and at that time you said, I'd like to do it, but I have a book that's coming out. So we'd probably time it better then. And then you reached out to me and I, I, I've, I've spent some time investigating this now towards the end of March. And it was my bad. I didn't get back to you quickly, but I'm so glad. You did agree to come on. I'm so glad you did. <laughs> I got pissed up to, pissed well, but that's, to say something. Well, there you go, though. I mean, there's that conflict. There's that. And and and, and taking it a step further, part, part of that is the, you know, are you are you cutting me out or are you, you know, is this a click thing? Are you, you know, yeah. are, so I, but I mean, that's that's awesome because I, I, I feel like it gave me an opportunity to understand you better and where you're coming from and understanding me better too. And, you know, I, I, I actually spent a couple therapy sessions talking about you where I was like, well, no, uh, you know, how do I rectify my reality with the people's perception of me? And I'm a very internal, you know, it's always funny. I say this to people. They're like, you have a fucking podcast and you don't stop posting on Facebook, but 
that's pretty much the only social stuff I do. Like I don't really hang out. I go to shows. Shows is my thing because I can be out in the world, but be alone all at the same time sure. because I'm listening to the music. I'm around people, but I'm paying attention to the music. So it's kind of a safe space. I don't need to talk to people. I you can just listen. The blanket of an oral. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, yeah. But, um, but, but it's a thing that comes up. It comes up with me and my clients. It comes up with me and other attorneys. It comes up with me and judges. It comes up with me and my staff. It comes up with me and my wife a lot, you know, cause my wife, you know what my wife is thinking because she's talking about it while she's thinking about it. I'm not that way. I see. I'm in my head and she'll like, did you, did you touch the thermostat? And it's like, I don't even remember being upstairs. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember walking down the stairs. And, <laughs> and sometimes it's hard because she doesn't understand that I'm not in the moment thinking about all of that stuff because she very much is, but I'm thinking about, you know, like music or I'm thinking about, some argument I had with somebody two weeks ago, or I'm thinking about what that's what is in my head while I'm on autopilot. I mean, that, that thing about driving home and not re- remembering how you got there. Yeah. That's constant for me because I'm almost in this meditative state driving home, having arguments that didn't happen or, or winning arguments that I lost or whatever the case may be. And so, um, the, Bringing this back around to what we were talking about, what I think you perceived of what was happening and what was happening on my end, there was very much, uh, I, I think, a difference there. But I understand how that could have come across that way. And so for that, I'm sorry. But oh, that's, that's I'm glad. Right. I'm, I'm really glad that you did reach out. I'm really glad that you did give me the book. Uh, I'm a big fan of the book. I'm a big fan of your music. What's going on with you now? Like, what's the next thing? Are you writing more, writing more music? Are you performing? Are you, um, what are you doing? I don't have any shows booked. I, I've just, I've been slow to get back into it. Um, now, now that everyone's fully vaccinated, I'm, I'm going to, you know, look into, uh, doing that, but, but, but without any goal aside from just, just, just doing it right. And, and that's, uh, it's even talked with a couple of guys that, when we did the Caleb show, Caleb uh, tribute show that, that we played one of his punk songs. And, right. And, and it's like, that would be cool to be in a band again, rather playing solo acoustic fine. But, but when you get to plug in and really make some Rock noise out, man. Yeah. and, uh, but at the same time, there wouldn't be any of these, these goals of like, dude, we, we're, you know, we're going to get here. We're going to get, I don't give a fuck about that. I just want to, peel the paint off the walls. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the only goal. Yeah. Be excellent at it. And yeah. that's it. And with that type of music too, that's that's been a hardship. I mean, we're we're getting back there, but you know, it's it's been easier for the singer songwriter, the folky kind of sit down and listen to music to get back in in the era of COVID. But you know, music where you're bumping into each other, there's pits, there's people jumping <laughs> off the stage. It's a little bit more icky. I've been involved in this uh teenage bottle rocket show that that yeah, I saw I've been yeah. keeping up with that. So I can't say what happened or what's happening now, but the VFW where it was going to be pulled out of it uh, midweek. But uh, we were able yesterday to secure the fucking perfect venue. And I can't wait, wait till um, Paul and, and Ray Creative Loping announce it because it's going to be just just the best ever. So I'll tell you off here. Um, but in any event, uh, yeah. So, well, I, I'm excited to come see you play live. I was there when you were playing with the Caleb thing. I, I, I don't know if I caught when you were on because that night was, uh, I think that night was Will Quinlan or it was Have Gun over in the, the other. It was still daylight when I went on. I was, I was there I in was, the daylight. Right after No Wiki. So I was, I was talking with Scott and Nowicki and Owen Meats and all them. I was standing there. You might have been up on the stage. Uh, I don't know if Decker had played yet. Decker um, played last. Did he? he? Was, it was dark at night. Okay. 
Well, so was that the Will Quinlan show or was that the Have Gun Will? Tra- I think it was, was the Have Will Gun, Quinlan Will Travel. It was Have Gun Will Travel. Okay, because I took my wife to that, and and yeah, it was because yeah. then my wife found a wiki that night. And he's like, I know who you are. He's over here, and like <laughs> Carter off. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I love what you do. I love that album. I mean, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt. It's a fucking badass album. I'm really enjoying this book, and I will get all the way through it and I'll, and I'll give you my, for whatever it's worth, you know, final, final word on it, but hopefully you're not a stranger. Hopefully you come back in. Um, I, I, I feel somewhat of a kinship, a heavy hearted, uh, kinship with you. So I, I, I can, I can understand where you're coming from. A lot of these things. Yeah. Um, can people find your music on Spotify, Bandcamp? Do you have Facebook, social media, any it's, of that stuff? It's on Spotify. Um, it's on Amazon, actually. Well, the books are on Amazon. The They're on, on Walmart, Amazon. too, but by a different oh, author geez. and a different fucking... <laughs> That's been a whole other... Walmart like, has, has has the uh, editor as the author and yeah. has the, the name wrong and all of it wrong. But there's, Yeah, there's one in Australia that's got Kibby, David Kibby listed, listed as the author, and he, he did the uh, illustrations. Will you so. sign my book for me? Sure. All right. You can write something dirty. Into it. All right. Um, All right. Um, yeah. Thank, well, thank you so much for your time. Josh. Yeah. This was this was this was awesome, and and I I know that uh, Gabe will be happy that this happened. So, all right. Well, have a good weekend. Thank you.